0: This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Episode 118, what do I decide to do
1: with the rest of my life? That's a question that came in from one of our listeners. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. My name is Carl Valeri, and uh, I am joined by uh, Paul Greco. Paul, welcome to the podcast. It's been a little while.
2: Yeah, it has. You better. It's good for, good uh, to be back. It's been yeah. way too long.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. And you know, that's an interesting question that the person raises. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but before we move on, a couple of announcements. I've got a quick announcement. To, of course, all of you know, and I thank you for those that have donated to uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash donate. All the money goes to the uh, Polk State Flight Team. Of course, I'm the coach of that team. Did really well, got first place, and uh, the safety. Safety award this year. Thanks. Two times two years in a row. That says something right there. We have many other placements there. If you get a chance, do me a favor, go to Facebook.com and go to Polk State Flight Team and uh look that up and check out what they've done there. I'm not gonna go too much into it because uh, you know, like I said, I've done this in the past. Um, but I will say this it was one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. It's incredible uh working with so many uh young students that are moving forward in the careers and are going above and beyond uh what's called to them uh, throughout the university program. This is all done on a voluntary basis. Competing within NIFA, which is National Intercollegiate Flight Association, is something that is incredibly challenging and it puts you far and above the rest. Uh, especially on your resume, uh, I tell you, having that on your resume is a wonderful thing. So, if you want to get information about NIFa and how to get involved in your school or potentially start a team at your school, go to NIFa.ero, or you can actually send me a uh, a email. But again, thanks so much to and you know who I'm talking to those folks that helped us fund the flight team. We actually placed without even having an airplane. We had uh, we didn't have a, as much money and as much funding as we thought in the past and i'm going to get that into that in a later episode and it has a little bit to do with politics and money and uh but before i do that i want to actually uh join up with these students and and go through some of that information there it's amazing uh never I, i've learned so much i've coached teams before but i've never coached a college team and uh and i have learned a lot uh, i learned a lot uh, especially when money's involved uh to understand uh the politics behind this and uh, to understand uh, many things that that I never thought uh, would have been true. Uh, so it's been a learning process for me, and it's been a learning process for the uh, students. Uh, but I want to share with them first before I go forward with that. Also, Paul, you have some, uh, actually a really, really cool and interesting announcement. Uh, and explain to us the whole meaning behind this once you do explain it. So go ahead and make your announcement.
2: Uh, which announcement are we talking uh, about? Cpp the, uh, Cpp announcement. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. There's <laughs> Sorry. lots of stuff going on. So yeah, we um, at our airline, we have um, it's pretty cool. There's uh, they were looking for ways to, uh, I guess, both recruit and retain pilots, um, in these really challenging times. And one of the uh, one of the ways they decided to do that was create, uh, a career pathway program with United Airlines. Um, then there are a, a couple of airlines now that are, uh, that are participating in this program and, uh, the program started last year and, um, it was just getting underway and there were, and pilots had to interview to, uh, to get into the program. And it essentially was the same interview that you would do for United Airlines. Um, and very, very, uh, I think we're really proud to say that the, our first pilots are, uh, starting to trickle over to United, um, this month and next month. So, uh, we're sending our first 10 pilots over and, uh, it's really exciting. Uh, a lot of really good guys that have worked really, really hard over the years are, uh, are finally getting the chance to, uh, to move up and, uh, you know, move on in their careers. So it's really, it's really exciting. We, we have, uh, guys that have, uh, that are Czech airmen and been with the airline for, you know, 10 and 12 and 15 years. And we have, uh, a couple that have been with the airline for four years, uh, or five or four years and less. And so, uh, you know, it's really exciting and it's a great opportunity for, uh, people to, uh, move, move along in their career and, uh, and, and, you know, have a career with United Airlines. So really exciting stuff and, uh, certainly motivates you to, uh, continue on and work real hard to get the, uh, the requirements, requirements met. So, Congratulations to those
1: guys. Yeah, congratulations. You know, it's interesting. We talk a lot about uh, these kind of quote-unquote flow-through programs and and gateway programs, et cetera, and we get a lot of questions about them. And I'm sure we're going to get a few questions after your announcement here. And uh, one of the things that I I do always uh, caution people and – uh, when you're looking at a career with an airline i you know i've been down this route and i've seen it happen. I uh, remember I was a furlough rep for uh for uh, Continental Express Airlines. We had hundreds well over a thousand people in the flow through agreement uh who never made it through because they canceled that flow through agreement so uh, I want to caution you if you have an offer with an airline and you're sitting there waiting for a flow-through, you need to make sure you weigh all the benefits and all the negatives. Uh, and, and this is great. I don't want to take anything away from, from what's happening and, and your announcement. But, boy, you know, a bird in the hand better than two in the bush is very true. And uh, if you have an offer to go to a major airline flying flying an aircraft, you might want to think about it. Because you don't know, tomorrow we could run into a recession. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about that in an upcoming episode. How to prepare for the next recession? Uh, you know, things will not always be like they are right now. It's not going to. We're not going to have this the the pilot shortage that we have now that we've been talking about for so many years. You know, we're starting to come towards. I I feel. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit of a a, a crest uh, to this right now. And, and with that said, you know, I'm still very hopeful about the industry. I'm just saying is that don't put all your eggs in one basket and make sure you weigh all of your options uh, when you're looking at that, because we've seen this, uh, gosh, we've seen this happen in the past where they've had flow throughs and they've had uh, agreements where, where they didn't come to fruition. But with that said, when you're making this decision to go to, say, a regional, and you do see these flow-through agreements, yeah, that's an important one. That's one that uh, – that, if, that, if there's things that you're going to use to decide whether or not to go to a certain regional, then yes, that may be one thing that may, might make or break that regional. I mean, just like with you, Paul, uh, the, the agreement that you have, I'm not sure if that was a big factor in you deciding to go to that specific regional, but, it, but it's a big one, isn't it?
2: It's a big decision, I think, for the guys that are, um, that are applying now. But uh, when when I started working at the airline, the the uh, the program didn't exist, and um, uh, the growth that uh, the airline is is uh, projecting didn't exist. So I, I pretty much came to this airline because uh, I'd be home based, and the upgrade was relatively quick. Um, you know, sub I'd say three years. It was like about a two to two to two and a half year upgrade. And so that's what I was looking at. I was looking at the quickest way where I could make captain money, so I could make a living, and uh, not have to commute. Those are my, you know, my biggest uh, or the top two th- reasons on my list to go to the to this regional in particular. Um, when the when the pathway program uh, was announced, it was sort of icing on the cake, but it also um, it, it's not guaranteed in any way. Um, until you have all the requirements of the program met, then um, if they, they uh, end the program that you, you'll be grandfathered in and, and as long as United continues to hire then you'll be hired. Um, it's I think guys are generally um, they keep it in their they keep it in their back pocket as sort of a backup plan. It, it, that seems to be the general you know overall consensus just you know in casual conversation. I don't think anybody is, banking on this as their you know as the only way to move forward in their career but it's a nice it's a nice to have you know it's not a it's not a need to have or a, a want to have but it's sort of a nice to have and i think that you know i don't think it's the most important reason to go to an airline i i think certainly the you know the commuting if you want if you can live in base versus commuting um is there growth at the airline where would you sit in terms of uh You know any projected growth, um, you know, pay, work rules, those things still trump. um, You know, a a flow-through program. This isn't a flow-through program. This is uh, um, this is an interview. Essentially, it's a guaranteed interview. But I think all that stuff trumps that. But um, uh, it's still it's still pretty important. And uh, you know, we're excited about it.
1: Yeah, that's cool, that's awesome, and uh, you know this again. This might be something that'll that'll affect your your decision for you. It wasn't, uh, but it is icing on the cake, I think, and that, that's awesome. Uh, but anyway, well, Paul, we got a lot of questions, so we may need to get to some of these here. That's I cool. know we've been falling behind, so I don't want to rush through them, but uh, we're going to start hitting them hard here. So, uh, Paul, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, man, let's get going with this. First question comes in, says, "Hi, Carl. I've been listening for a while and love career advice and counseling." I have been a really hard time trying to make up my mind on what to do in life. I'm 24 years old with a wife and a new baby. Uh, congratulations, by the way. I'm currently—that's yeah, awesome, isn't it? <laughs> that's and but uh, it says I'm currently a heavy-duty mechanic and working on my private pilot license. I love it, but recently I have found a new love for dentistry. I'm about to start showing—excuse uh, me—shadowing dentists to see what the career is like. But from everything I've seen. I love it. But here's the issue. I don't know what I love more and want to do. On the one hand, I've wanted to fly for the airline since I was a young boy, but now I'm really wanting to go to dental school and be a practicing dentist. How do I go about deciding what to do in life? And boy, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, he continues, I've written the pros and cons but still can't decide. I know there's the option of becoming a dentist and flying GA or even instructing, but what if that's not enough? I just don't want to make the wrong choice and have regrets for the rest of my life. Any advice? Oh, also, I don't have a degree, so if I do decide to go to dental school, I'm looking at about seven to eight years total schooling and I'm in Canada. So how... Do I go about this, Carl. Appreciate any advice that you have. One thing I want to mention is that something you didn't mention is, is I have a friend, actually at the, the local club. We hang out, and he actually is a captain with a major, a legacy airline. I should say a legacy airline. We talked about that last episode. And he's also a full-time dentist. He's able to, uh, he's been so long with the airline that he's able to actually fly for the airlines and He's able to be a dentist at the same time. He actually partners with other dentists, but he's able to do both of those careers at the same time. Because think about this, an airline career, after you're done getting all your licenses and getting settled, is truly a career that's almost quote unquote part time. You look at me, I have 15 to 18 days off a month. It enables me to do things like coaching flight teams and working on this podcast, etc., so I think that's really important to think about is you can have both things. It's just that you need to decide which avenue you want to go down first. If the dentistry is going to be the primary uh, breadwinner for the family and for yourself, that's where you need to go. It's uh, And then the airline thing is secondary. But, uh, but you can do both. You can actually do both things, just like being an attorney, an MBA, running a business, etc. Uh, but as far as deciding... What you need to do, and I think, and obviously we can help you out there with the coaching services. You can go to the website and look at the coaching services, but that's where you need to get some unbiased opinions from you and your family, and I love what you did with the list, and the fact that you weren't able to come up with an answer, Uh, that's good. At least you're thinking, and you're moving in the right direction. I know we all have those tough decisions to make, and I know Paul was was going through this uh, when he was trying to decide, hey what do I want to do? Do I want to go to the airlines or do I want to stick with what I have? And, and uh, you used to have a similar situation when you can actually stay within the field that you actually have your training in, can't you, Paul?
2: I sure can. And uh, I, I choose not to do that now because I am uh, working real hard to get um, my 1,000 hours as a captain. And financially, I can um, I make actually better money as a captain now than I was when I was working as a nurse. So, um, it just makes more sense in terms of moving my career forward and financially at this point, just to work as a pilot. Um, but, uh, someday I, I, I may go back to working as a nurse. We'll see, uh, you know, when I'm working at a, at a major or legacy airline, um, and I have 15, 18, you know, or more days off a month, I I may decide to go do that again. But I think this, I think this listener is, uh, you know, on the right track and I, the only advice that I would give is really sit down. I think you really have to do a little soul searching and find out what your passion is and, um, find out where your passion lies. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's how I made my decision. I mean, I loved, uh, I loved working as a medevac nurse, um, helping people with something that I've, I've truly been doing since I've, uh, I've been 16 years old. Uh, I used to volunteer on an ambulance unit. um, and when I was six, when I started that, when I was 16 or, or, uh, so, I mean, that's all I've ever known. And, um, so that was obviously a passion, but I was more passionate about aviation. And I noticed that everything that I was doing, even in my nursing career was leading me to aviation. And so, um, it, you know, so I made the, I made some really, really difficult decisions. I put our, I put our family in a really tough spot. Um, financially, and you know, j- just in terms of the change, the 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 lifestyle change that takes place. Working, you know, three full time days per week to essentially working every day. <laughs> period. Um, you know, and uh, so there was a lot of big changes, but you know, I've I've never been more happier. Um, and and my my wife sees a difference. My kids see a difference. Um, so I would say sit down. And truly think about what you're passionate about and you know if your passion is in dentistry then then you know that's that's where you should go but if it's not then then you can go the flying route and uh you know there's you know there's no reason that why you couldn't do both someday and uh you know carl just gave you a great example of that i'm sort of an example in and you know maybe in a uh, an indirect way um but you could you, you know you could be a dentist or and you can fly recreationally or you could uh, you could do both professionally or you, know, you do one or the other, um, but uh, the options are limitless.
1: With that said, uh, Paul, the caution I would give the listener and all listeners is that you, know, you can't be the slave of two masters. In other words, you, you have to focus on one thing first, especially That's something true. that, that it, it is that much work. I mean, if you're going to go into sailing maybe, but if you're going to be a, you know, somebody who's racing and sailing, that would be a, a lot of work. But uh, make sure you focus on one thing and move forward and then add to the other.
2: Yeah, that's great advice, and you know that's why you know it's it's great it's a great point that you mentioned that because that's exactly why I um, I left my nursing job to focus on um, being an airline captain because you know uh, I'm I think that the best way to move my aviation career forward is to get a thousand hours as a captain and make myself as marketable as I can as an airline pilot to move on uh, with you know with a major or legacy airline. And I think that, you know, if you continue to, you know, spread yourself too thin, then you you just work as sort of a mediocre nurse, you work as a mediocre airline pilot, and and you don't, it takes longer to get the job done. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to be a dentist, you know, focusing on school for seven or eight or nine years or whatever it is, uh, that's all you're going to be doing, you know, full time. I mean, the aviation is going to get put in the back burner. And that's, that's what happened with me. I mean, I... Uh, aviation was put on the back burner while I was working as a nurse because I thought that's where my career was headed, and things change, you know. And I, I sort of had this epiphany, and it was I realized it was time to uh, uh, to do something different, and uh, and I made the change. And so, you know, it's it's interesting how life takes you, but um, uh, you know, yeah, you you do need to with the with careers like. Being an airline pilot or being a dentist, those are careers that are the professional careers that require uh, tons of uh, uh, training and, uh, you know, dedication. And so it is best to be, you know, maybe focused on one at a time and uh, so that you can succeed and and do the best you can uh, in, in those careers.
1: So another thing uh, that you should look out too is there's a couple really good websites out there and some really great books. Uh, there's uh, first of all book. Uh, what color is your parachute? In other words, what do you what do you, what do you need to do to decide uh, what it is that's gonna gonna really be uh, your passion in life and when you're calling in life. Also, another really good uh, Dan Miller has a podcast too that I really highly recommend 28 Days to the Work You Love. And uh, that's something that you should also listen to. Don't just take our advice, but go out there and listen to all these other things and, and uh, concentrate on those resources. So we'll put those in the show notes, com, episode 118. Anyway, thanks for the question. Let's, uh, let's move on. And that's a question that everybody has. What do I do with the rest of my life? And it's something that you'll struggle with till you're 65 years old once you finish your career. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, really, really important to do that. Anyway, Paul, you said you were going to say something there?
2: No, 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 I just just so that I agree with that.
1: Uh, yeah. wait. So, yeah. Cool. Okay, let's move on to the next question. We have a lot of questions here, so we'll try to get to as many as we can. Uh, he writes in, the next person writes in, says, I have a question about my aviation medical process that I'm currently going through right now. Back in August, I uh, went to my local AME, Aviation Medical Examiner, and decided to get my Class 1 medical right off the bat because I'd like to fly uh, regional in the future. I knew this would be an uphill battle because I have two DUIs, Uh, that are over four years old now. And by the way, that is a good idea to try to go forward and get your first class medical. You will need it uh, when you apply to the airlines. Talk to your aviation medical examiner before you go in and and ask them for a consultation if you have anything that you see as an issue uh, because that consultation will be well worth it well worth the money instead of having to go through the process with the FAA and all the, uh, the paperwork, etc. Uh, he continues, when I was going through the process to get my class one medical, I supplied all the documents they wanted and needed. They came back months later and said I would need to see a HIMSS, and the closest one to me is a five-hour drive, uh, making it almost impossible to drive down there and see him right now with work. My question is, can I go back to my aviation medical examiner and apply for a third class medical and possibly get that instead of a class one that I originally planned to get? That way I can start my training right away and hopefully in the next couple of years go through the hymns to get my class one when I'm ready. P.S. love the podcast it has been huge inspiration in pursuing my passion in aviation. A couple things here. Uh, he actually uh talks about the hymns process. He th- this is an awesome I tell you what h- this is for Hims, uh which is not a- actually an oc- occupational substance abuse treatment program is an awesome program uh it actually stands for human intervention motivation study is is uh it almost seems like a misnomer to me it's actually helping people uh try to get off their dependencies uh of substances uh drugs alcohol et cetera. we have an incredibly high rate of success with hymns compared to the average individual that's going through treatment to actually try to recover from some type of substance abuse, uh, all the unions have it. All the air, most airlines have it. It's 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 terrific. I talk to aviation medical examiners about it. It's a really good thing. So, and with hymns, you need to you need to 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 look to your medical examiner. This is my advice. Look to your medical examiner and call them directly and say, this is what I want to do. Don't and, and honestly, your question is not unique. I hear this all the time. People are afraid to just call their aviation medical examiner and say, hey, this is what's happening. Um, I have uh, skin cancer. Is that going to affect my next medical? Well, yes, you need this, this, and this. And you know what? It saves you a lot of time if you just listen to their advice. So my thing is, and if you want to do it, if they want a consultation, go for it. I would go in and talk to your aviation medical examiner about it. But now you're within that HIMSS process, so it might be a little bit tough to get that third class, depending. So you might want to talk to that medical examiner about that and see if he will uh, will issue you the class three medical, or if he can issue you that class three medical. Uh, there's no straight answers when it comes to the FAA, by the way. Uh, if you talk to one medical examiner, if you talk to one FAA uh, safety representative, or you talk to one inspector, they will give you a different answer than, than another one that's in another state or another uh, region. I hate to say that because it doesn't sound good, but that's just the way it is. Uh, things aren't, aren't black and white when it comes to the FAA. You hope it would be, but I would actually ask that medical examiner, will you issue me this, Class three medical, even though I'm going through this HIMSS program, so that I can get started with my training, so that's my advice to you to do that. And by the way, with the HIMSS program, incredibly high success rate. And uh, and my hats off to them. They do a wonderful job within it. Uh, and uh, if you want to h- find out more, I'll, I'll yeah, there's some cool links and some cool videos about hymns and what it does. I should probably have somebody on because this is a question that comes up about every few months. And uh, and I'm really I feel really strong about this because I've seen uh, the results of it uh, from friends that have gone through it. And uh, I think uh, and they're changed people. And I think it's great to see them have a second chance in life. And I think that's terrific. So don't give up hope. Make sure that you uh, just get the proper knowledge and get the correct knowledge and do that through your aviation medical examiner. But uh, appreciate the question. On to the next question here. It says, hey, Carl. Um, And by the way, he says, hope you still remember me. I usually remember you, but if you're going to give me your name, uh, make sure you tell me your story because I usually remember stories be- better. So uh, if you haven't talked to me in a while, say, "Hey, I'm the guy that met you at such and such an air show. Was a helicopter pilot." Because somehow in my mind, I remember those things a lot better than people's <laughs> names. That's horrible to say. Uh, you know, my it's funny because I, I sometimes relate. I, I'm I'm turning into my father. I say sometimes because <laughs> my dad was a gastroenterologist and he could remember you know you know the many the centimeters of a polyp that he removed and uh, he can't remember the name of the person he the polyp from. So I, I hate to say that I'm turning into that, but it's a sad <laughs> state of affairs, is it not? <laughs> We're getting older, so you know. <laughs> It's getting old. Soon to be a a, a big uh, half a century old soon. Really? Uh, but anyway, I don't I don't want to talk about that too much. But anyway, here we <laughs> go. It says Hope you still remember me remember me. I just wanted to give you an update since we first spoke last September. Can't believe it's it's been a year already. I started my training in November and am currently a private pilot. I'm scheduled to finish my IFR and commercial training by the end of this December. I That's finished awesome. My, that, that is so cool. That is, that is, I just love hearing those stories about here we are moving forward. I finished my private pilot in less than three months and within the minimums. That's pretty cool. Uh, once I have my commercial license, I will have completed my entire training in 13 months, and I'm doing really well with training, but training every Saturday and Sundays. Uh, by training every Saturday and Sunday, excuse me. My goal is to do the CFI one-month academy, and once I receive my flight instructor certificate, I will be applying to Envoy Airlines, where they will place me in a school to teach, but I will be employed by them and will need to reach 1,500 hours by being an instructor. Recently did a cross-country flight from New Jersey to Pompano Beach, Florida. It was a total of 22.4 hours and an amazing experience. Thanks once again for the push you gave me and would love any advice from your end, I think the idea of getting through an accelerated uh, like a, a program where you can actually get your license uh, quickly is pretty important. I did that myself uh, when I moved for, forward with my double I, my CFI. Uh, I did the same thing. I will admit that too. Uh, and uh, the reason being is I was so busy uh, with uh, with training and trying to move forward there. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's actually this sounds like you have a lot of good uh, opportunities here. And uh, I think what you're doing is is the right thing to do. I think moving forward with an academy, the one-month academy thing, I did the same thing. Uh, honestly, I didn't get as much out of it uh, as I put into it. In other words, I studied a lot. I learned on my own quite a bit. I felt like all I was doing is checking boxes there and uh, moving on with the check ride. So real good stuff, real good stuff. Uh, um, Paul, I think you had gone through an accelerated program. Is that correct for one of your ratings? Yeah.
2: All, actually, all but my private was accelerated, and um, I had great, great experiences. I love. I'm a huge proponent of accelerated flight training. I mean, look at you know a year ago, he he was he, he he had nothing, you know, and 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 now he's almost done with his commercial, and he's getting ready to move on for a CFI, you know, inside of 13 months. I mean, this that's just that's amazing, you know, yeah, and and what I like about the accelerated training is because you're, you know, the the motivation here is to to be a professional pilot you're going nonstop you're not going to let up on this it's not like you're going to you're going to get your instrument rating in 2 weeks and then you're going to you're going to move on and you're you know you're going to go back to work behind the desk and um and not fly for 6 months you're you're going to continue moving on so you're going to continue to build and learn on what you learned in that training and i think that that is a, an amazing way to learn it's how we learn at the airline Um, you know, they say, you know, you're, it's like opening up the fire hose and just drinking from it. And that's exactly what accelerated training is like. So for me, I think accelerated training is a great uh, precursor to airline training. And, um, you know, so that it'll set you up well for that.
1: Yes,
2: it will. And then in terms of the, uh, you know, the CFI, um, I also did a one month CFI Academy where I, I got a lot out of it. Um, because what we did, we had homework assignments. You know, you would you would show up on one day, and you would, uh, you know, you would be given uh, an assignment to prepare a lesson plan on, you know, pick a subject, say, uh, holds. Um, and so you would prepare the the lesson assignment on holds, or say aerodynamics, or something. And then the next day, you would come back and you would teach the whole entire academy your lesson uh, based on your lesson plan, and. The instructors would critique your your lesson, and you would find, you know, and then you would wind up going back and fine tuning it, and then you would move on to the next subject, and you would make another lesson plan. So what you would wind up doing is over the course of the month, making lesson plans and teaching on them. So it was a great way to, you know, sort of refine your lesson plans and uh, refine your your teaching uh, skills. So I I had uh, like you know incredibly great experience in my CFI Academy, um, you know, and I got it done, you know, in about a month, I think it was, um, and, uh, just an incredible experience, One, of the, probably the hardest check ride I think I've taken, it was a good, I think, seven or eight hours, it was just, it was like a marathon, very grueling, but, uh, really rewarding when you put that one in your pocket. Yeah,
1: the CFI is a tough one, and it does take quite some time oh, no. to finish that up. <laughs> no. I don't want to do that again. No, no, never want to go through that one again. Um, Anyway, moving on to our next question. I know we got a bunch of questions here still. Thanks for that question, and uh, yeah, I I highly recommend going through that. So would Paul, uh, to an accelerated program, that is. Uh, Moving on along here, it says here, First of all, I have to say that the work you guys do on the podcast is beyond amazing. Let's just say for the past two months, since i found you guys, I've been hooked. The knowledge you and your guests give is so great. So please... Keep up the great work. It truly changes lives. It sure changed mine. Well, I appreciate that. He goes on to say, Please forgive me, but this is quite a long email. By the way, I hear that a lot. We want to hear your stories. I will say this, uh, and I don't mean to pick on you, but everybody that I talk to that says they love this podcast loves to hear your stories because then they don't feel like they're alone. So please tell us your story. It doesn't matter how long it is. We can always shorten it up a little bit and paraphrase it. We want to hear it, and our listeners want to hear it, because what you're giving us is helping them. So let me continue here. He says this. I'm 25 years old, and I'm currently in the Chicagoland area. My love for aviation dates back to as far as I can remember. I currently have no flight time whatsoever, but I'm 100% committed to becoming an airline pilot. I have recently got married to my best friend. She's one of the biggest influences in my life. She pushed me to really pursue my dream of becoming an airline pilot. I'm really looking into doing an accelerated program through ATP Flight School. That is one option. The other option is getting my private pilot and IFR through a nearby uh, FBO due to financial reasons. I currently work full-time and I'm a main provider in my house until my wife graduates the university. After she graduates, she'll be supporting the household while I finish up my flight training. I'm dedicated to the core to following my dream. There's no doubt about it. I've immersed myself with everything aviation. I've wanted to almost all near, excuse me, I've went to almost all the nearby FBOs within a 50 mile radius where I live to meet certified flight instructors there and watch the planes take off and land. So the question is this, would it be wise to go down that route? I want to begin my career within the shortest amount of time. I also want to make sure it's all of quality. I love working under pressure. It's what drives me. So I know I can handle it. So uh yeah, as far as going throughout and down that road and being a CFI, I think it's a it's a great idea. Uh so I would definitely say that if that that's exactly the question you had there. Uh but it's it's something I think that's that's pretty terrific. Uh my other question is and Paul, did you want to add to that as far as going down that right of the CFI?
2: No, I I, I agree. I mean yeah. that's the way to go without yeah. a question, and I think to get it done quick, uh, as you know, quickly, um, accelerated training is a way to go. The only thing I would add is that ATP is not the only accelerated training program out there. There are various others, so just do your dil- your due diligence and research the schools uh, because the prices vary and the quality of the, quality of the training varies. But uh, accelerated training, I think, is the is the way to go to uh, get your tickets quick and um, you know get your training done as a quickly and efficiently as you, as you possibly can yeah, I'd have to agree to that one.
1: His other question is kind of an interesting one. Uh, it's uh, very it, it has to do with his descent, etc. Uh, he says, my other question is quite unordinary, uh, but maybe you can help me because it's a small concern for me. Uh, it's actually not that unordinary. I get this question quite a bit. Uh, he says, I'm a Middle Eastern descent, born and raised here in Chicago, and with all this crazy talk going on in the media, it's somewhat tantalizing. My question is, would this be a factor for my career later on down the line? Is your career, have you ever approached something like this? Uh, I, (laughs) I have not had any resistance, it's quite the opposite. Every FBO I have been to are beyond amazing. Aviation lovers like ourselves love talking to anyone who would just listen. But my concern is with the regionals and majors. I really, really appreciate what you guys are doing. It's amazing. Please feel free to talk about this on your podcast due to a couple other people that have the same concern. i tell you what, a lot of other people have the same concern. Remember when I was doing flight training and training students, that was right around September 11th, and uh, doing a lot of uh, training at an air base that actually is where uh, the war in the Middle East is run out of, and uh, I I get this question quite often, and it, it has – it. maybe you're just watching too much media. I, I guess I don't watch the TV that much. Uh, but I would say that it's not, it should not be anything of a concern to you. The only concern I would say that you should have is, uh, and, and this shouldn't, doesn't sound like it's a problem for you, but it has been in the past for certain people that have helped out is say you go out there on, say, your Facebook page, your social media, et cetera. And and you start supporting certain organizations like terrorist organizations, that type of thing. Uh that actually would be a problem and I have seen that turn into an issue at the regionals. Uh but that was more an FBI issue and uh you know, them taking somebody off the line because they're they're uh espousing to a certain uh group that's uh a, that's a, a terrorist organization, et cetera, and that would be a bad thing. Uh and that is an extreme uh example, but it does happen. Other than that, no way. I mean everybody we're all we're all come from all different backgrounds and I would not be concerned with that at all. I think uh I think everybody like like you said is is very, very welcoming and they're all from you know from many, many different backgrounds. I know, uh, you know, Paul, you've you see many different people from backgrounds and so do we.
2: Yeah, I th- I just think it's a non factor. I have friends that are um you know from Muslim and various Middle Eastern descents that work at the airlines. It's 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 not it's almost not even worth talking about. It's, just not, no. it's not a factor as long as you don't do silly things like what you just said. Yeah, posts on uh, Facebook supporting.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that doesn't happen that often, right? Like
2: that. Yeah, I mean that you know, as long as you're not doing anything like that, you you know, it's no it's no issue whatsoever. Cool, cool.
1: Uh, hopefully that that answers your question. And again, uh, I had a student that I was training. Uh, And he actually, right after 9-11 happened, he decided to get out because he was concerned about that. He's still not flying to this date. Uh, he's got another business, and I wish he would actually get back into flying, but he's decided not to. Uh, so it's all—it's all what you make of it. Uh, That's—that's the—the only thing. Anyway, moving on to the next question. It says, "Hi, I'm an instrument-rated private pilot. I voluntarily stopped flying 12 years ago in order to focus on a career and family, and to give my budget a break. I'm living in South Africa right now." Uh, for work and will be moving back to the States in early 2017. My 17-year-old son just got his pilot's license in South Africa and is planning to enter into a U.S.-based university professional pilot program in the fall and has motivated me to start flying again. This leads me to my question. I'm starting to look into refreshing my knowledge now so I'm not completely lost when I get back to the States. I've been listening to your podcast and love it, but I find myself feeling overwhelmed with how much things have changed. Examples, aerospace, Mm -hmm. ADS-B in and out, mobile, uh, tablet, based flight uh, applications, e-flight bags, e-logbooks, F.A. medical reform, LSA rules. I jumped around to various places, but it's wearing me out. Can you recommend the best way for someone like me to refresh myself without getting overwhelmed and also cut through the noise or the fancy stuff and just focus on the basis Basics for everyday private pilot who might occasionally want to file IFR, but most of the time will fly VFR. Something web-based or downloadable will be best since I don't live in the United States right now. Thanks. I love your podcast and website. First of all don't listen to the noise go out there and have some fun that's the most important thing sounds like your uh your son's getting into the professional pilot program and you want to get back into aviation with that person uh with your loved one with your son and, and that's really really important but yes there is stuff online paul you had a suggestion
2: yeah i i was in this pretty pretty same position um i was out of flying for a little while for the same reasons and um and when i got back into flying. AOPA, uh, Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Uh, if you're, if you're not a member, become one. (laughs) It's really worth it. It's, uh, very affordable. And they have on their website, um, they actually have, uh, a a link for you to click on if you've been out of flying for a while And, and it's so well done. And the way they, they broke the, they broke it down based on, um, when you left flying, so it's you know it says something to the effect of click here if you've left flying between 1990 and 1995. Click here if you you know left flying between 95 and 2000. And so, if you remember everything before you left, you just click on that link and it gives you everything that's changed in a you know in a very simplistic and um, sort of uh, outline uh, fashion. And it's a great way to catch up on. Um, uh, you know, the different changes that have taken place. And then there's also various online learning programs that are all free, um, that you can use to, uh, sort of brush up on. And, uh, and so I think that's a great way to, um, get dialed back in on the changes that have taken place. But I also agree with Carl, just go get in an airplane and go fly and have some fun. (laughs) <laughs> that's for sure
1: uh, and as far as on the internet what you're talking about Paul it's called the Rusty Pilots Program yes, uh, that's over at AOPA good. we've talked about it a lot at Sun and Fun Radio and I've interviewed quite a few people at AOPA about this they are doing a bang up job it's, it's one of the, the, my favorite programs at AOPA yep. really yep. is awesome uh, we want to get people back in into uh, flying That's for, that's for sure so, uh, please check that out, just like Paul said. Go to ALPA. I'll have a link to the Rusty Pilots program. Some wonderful people there that really care about you and want to see you get back into aviation, and fulfill your dream. It's an awesome thing. Well, anyway, thanks for that question. I really appreciate that. And good luck to your son uh, moving forward with his career in aviation. Moving along, uh, we have another question it says Hello, I'm 17 years old and a U.S. citizen uh, living in Johannesburg south africa with my family my dad works here i obtained my private pilot certificate here in south africa and, and back in may and i plan to apply soon to the united states university aviation programs and hope to start in the fall flying uh, 2017 semester uh, i've looked into converting my caa south african certificate to an fa certificate understand there's paperwork process that will take up to four months and require a personal visit to a fisdo or regional office here uh, and this is my question: The policy says that the FA certificate that is based on foreign certificate is only valid as long as the foreign certificate is valid. South Africa requires the certificate to be renewed each year by simply paying a very small fee. After 10 years, they require a new application to be made and more fees, possibly in person. This could become problematic for me in the future. Is there a practical way around this? Should I take an FA check right and when I return home to avoid this? I'm under a time crunch because I plan to come home in June of 2017 and want to be able to test out uh, the first semester pile course at whatever university I choose. Thanks. My dad and I really enjoy listening to your podcast. It sounds very similar to the last one, uh, but we do uh, appreciate it. was actually the, the son of the person previously. Uh, but we appreciate both of you writing in uh, to the podcast. And, uh, yes, um, no, let's go back here. You were talking about getting uh, converting your, your pilot certificate certificate to your fa certificate uh, so you will have that issued uh, it's it's issued based on uh, your foreign certificate and foreign certificate val- uh, validity is and that's how long it'll be valid so one thing you have to make sure of is that you have an unrestricted uh fa pilot certificate kind of like the restricted atp here uh, so that's something you definitely should should look into and, and one thing that's kind of cool and and I really highly recommend this. Is usually the university you're going to uh, will help you with this and through that process because they have all that paperwork down. There's a couple other people I know that do this, and I'll have their links to that uh, to that website. And I can't remember the, the name of it. I apologize right now, but I have a link on uh, episode 118 uh, as far as converting that. Uh, so that's really important that you do that so that you can uh, have no restrictions, especially if you're going to decide to stay in the United States and do some flying. I know we're very uh, U.S.-centric. Uh, but it's true of any place. Uh, the flying is a skill that can be transferred to any other country. It's just that there's some legal hoops that you have to go through to do that, uh, and to be, become a pilot in whatever country you want to move to. Uh, so that's that would be my advice there to do that. Anyway, you have any Paul? You have anything else left uh, on that one?
2: No, that sums it up.
1: Yeah, cool. All right, let's move on to the next question here. Uh, And it comes in, says, I'm a bit stuck on making a career decision to become an airline pilot or stay in my current field of employment as an aeronautical engineer. Today, my background experience consists of a BS degree in aerospace engineering, two years working as an aeronautical engineer for Boeing, multi- and single commercial pilot certificates, and 600 hours of flight experience. My original plan since day one was to become an airline pilot, my passion and dream job. And a mentor of mine told me to get a degree in something I can use as a backup if it didn't work out as a pilot. Now I have a big dilemma which has been constantly on my mind. I have an amazing opportunity to work in another sector of aerospace where I can work more than two years as an engineer and have a total of four years of engineering experience along with getting my CFI certificate and teaching on the weekends to continue building hours. The other path is to completely leave engineering, get my CFI double line, and go become a flight instructor full-time so I can build hours quickly and go on to the airline. With both plans, I eventually want to become an airline pilot, but my main reason for the first path is to continue building up a solid backup career in case the more risky yet more rewarding uh, doesn't work out, meaning the flying career. Do you think I should make the commitment to solely focus on flying and my aspiration to become an airline pilot now and continue building my career, quote-unquote, pillow? I do understand that now is a great time to become an airline pilot, but also understand the potential risk of becoming a pilot. If it helps, I'm 25 years old. Thank you for your assistance. I think this is a good question. I think we hear this quite often, uh, is that uh, the only the, the one downside is that every other career that you go into uh, doesn't isn't dependent on age. Age is a big factor with aviation, uh, but uh, that's something that what you've given us here, and this is what's important. Uh, and I know, Paul, you've talked to people and coach people too. Is that uh, there's more to the story than, than meets the eye that we're we're discovering here. This is kind of an overview, and you really need to discover why it is you're doing what you're doing, and and discover you know there's there's a lot more to this process. But uh, a simple saying, yeah, you should go ahead and become a flight instructor and get everything done. I'd say, I'd say, try to do both. I mean, what do you think, Paul?
2: I agree. I, you know, I think you could try and do both. I mean, it's excuse me, it's hard to, it's hard to answer the question like you said with a yes or no because I'm sure that there's other, you know, there are other factors that that we don't know. Um, but you know, yeah, definitely, I think, you know, continuing to develop the the career. I, I love whoever your mentor was. I love him. (laughs) I think, (laughs) you know, I think getting a degree outside of aviation is an awesome idea. I used to teach that to my, I used to tell my students that all the time. Um, partly because I did it myself. Um, and you know, and I have my backup plan. My backup plan is to go back to being a nurse. You know, I mean, if I get furloughed tomorrow, um, I'm going to cry a lot (laughs) and be really sad, but then I'm going to go, you know, uh, and I'm going to go to the hospital and I'll go get a job and I'll, I'll work as a nurse and, pray that I get recalled, you know, as soon as possible. But I mean, I, I will not have a problem paying my mortgage and putting food on the table for my family. And you, um, are going to be in the same position, um, you know, because you have a a great job, you have a, a great company, um, uh, that you, you're put, you can put on your resume. I think that's, I think that's incredible, you know? And so, um, you know, if you can, if you can continue to work, you know you're you're young, twenty five years old, um, is I mean God, that's you have so much ahead of you. And so if you can continue to work as an engineer, I think my advice would be this. You continue to work as an engineer and uh, work as a CFI on the weekends, build your flight time, and continue to to build your career as an engineer. And, uh, and it, maybe it takes you two years to get to fifteen hundred hours, but now you'll have your four years of engineering experience. You'll have your fifteen hundred hours of flying experience, and then you can go to the airline if you know you if you choose at that time. But you'll have you'll have options, and having options is is really important.
1: I agree. Great advice, Paul. And I think this is a a good place to be. And uh, cool stuff, though. You're in aviation, you're in aerospace, so it's a wonderful place to be, and this is a I great like the
2: world. I don't know if that means anything, but <laughs> I did the Boeing tour when I was doing my sims out there, and I was floored by the facility. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh my god, it was so cool! Amazing stuff! Amazing oh, yeah. stuff! Amazing! I'm jealous. <laughs> uh,
1: but yes, that's a, a great advice, our Paul and I. And I think you're hearing the same thing from both of us. You got a lot of years ahead of you. I think this is a great thing. I think you got some really good advice there. Uh, obviously, if you need more, you know, we we have the the facilities here to help you out there. Uh, anyway, thanks for that question. Uh, moving right along to our next question is uh, let's see. It says here: it's a quick question. Is there any scholarships in the guide for Canadians? I'm assuming the scholarships are aimed towards US citizens. Yes and yes, they are there are a few in Canada that's something we'd like to focus on more. Uh we're starting to do more worldwide scholarships realizing that there are many more out there. Uh, the only the the one problem we're running into right uh, we've been running into I should say for the past year is every time we add one scholarship in a different country we, we come up with 10 more uh so yes we are are focused on trying to get our uh you have to understand we're we're trying to do a good job, so we're going to focus on the u s first and then canada mexico we're kind of spreading out that way We have a lot of a lot of listeners in brazil so we 're trying to help out there. Africa is another, uh, a lot of our listeners are in Africa. So we're trying to go there, Australia, that type of thing. So we definitely want to want to keep moving towards that. So, yes, we do have some. It's not, it's not as big as we'd like it to be. That's for darn sure. But we're working on it. We're getting there. And uh, we're working on the database so it's searchable. So, yes, there are some, but not as many as we'd like. Uh, so, anyway, uh, that's, I hope that helps out. And thanks for that question. Next one comes in. I was gonna tell you. Let's see the name of this person. I'm not gonna do that because I want to have this person on the podcast. On, so I don't want to ruin the the, uh, the excitement there. But. Uh Oh, I hope I don't give away by this question. I'm going to try not to give away who this is. Uh, he writes in because it's somebody I actually know. I now know really well, and I'll tell you. You'll, you'll discover why in his question. It says here, Hello, Carl and co-hosts. It was a little over a year ago that I wrote into your show looking for some advice on choosing a flight school that was right for me. You graciously answered my question on a podcast shortly after. Using some of the tips and info you and your co-host provided me, I narrowed my search to a few schools. As fate would have it, my wife and I decided to relocate to Florida for me to attend Polk State College as it was the best fit for my short list of schools. We saved up for the move and start to start training and made a leap of faith into the Sunshine State. I'm a 28-year-old going back to college for the third time. I started my private pilot's license in August and now I have just over 23 hours. In fact, I completed my first two solo flights this week. Congratulations, by the way. That's a huge, huge accomplishment. I'm so proud. Uh, learning to fly has been an amazing experience so far, and I always look forward to the next time I can go flying again. I don't write in to brag instead I hope to provide inspiration to others who may be where I was just over a year ago trying to figure out how and where to start. From the time I wrote you in over a year ago today, I'm always trying to do something to take the next step into starting an aviation career. Listening to your podcast and Stuck Mike Afcast, watching YouTube videos and reading blogs and articles as much as I can. I'll admit that it took some time for my small steps to get some traction. But now the progress is real and is all flying by, pun intended. I continue to listen to your podcast and recommend it to anyone I can. Thank you again to all you do for those of us just starting or trying to start anew with an aviation career. Well, gosh, you're more than welcome, and uh, this person, uh, I'd love to reach out and ask that person if they'd be willing to come onto this podcast and talk about their journey because they have a real inspirational story and something just recently happened that um, was was really important in their career, and I would love to have that person uh, discuss their experience recently and just happened about a week ago. And uh, I would love to hear hear their story. But you are sm- much more than welcome. To, and, and we love helping people like yourself out and make decisions to move forward. And obviously, you know, I know who this is because... I work now at Polk State as the coach of the flight team. and uh, Or I volunteer, I should say. I don't get actually get paid. I work a lot, but I don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> it's still work, though. It's actually a lot of fun. It's a blast. And uh, uh, so we, we're hoping that this person will, uh, I'm asking them now to, to reach out and come on the show because I really want to hear his story. I think he could help a lot of others that uh, really want to be inspired by uh, by, this, uh, by this story. I'd and, love to yeah. I And he's a terrific person. And I, I, I want congratulate, to congratulate him on the thing I was talking about that he did this past week. And I'd love to do it on, online here. We'll definitely do that. So thanks so much for the email. We got one more email. And uh, by the way, Russ, my assistant Russ is also uh, the uh, producer of this podcast. He's going to be amazed that we actually made it through. A whole episode with catching up with all the questions i'm so happy that we're able to do this uh so uh, russ uh russ Monchu is actually the person who's who puts together all the technical side of all these these here so if you hear me talking about mr producer that is russ that's producing it and he does a wonderful job really a big shout out to him he's also the person that manages the scholarships guide and uh and i have no clue how he does it He he's got all these different tentacles going all over and trying to make things move forward. So really, really neat stuff he does with that. Uh, so we, I just get out there and try to sell it. He's the one that actually puts it in the scholarships guide. So big hats off to him. Anyway, moving on to our last question this evening. It says, Hello, I'm a new listener and have been wondering how many former military helicopter pilots you have seen make the transition to the civilian airlines. Oh my gosh. Let me just stop right there. A whole bunch. Oh gosh. Uh, it, it seems like... Uh, Everybody 's coming out the weeds and wants to become a, a fixed wing pile for the military i 'm joking by the way. I do know quite a few i uh, I actually got to work with uh, some companies down in the Texas and Louisiana area that run some very large helicopter uh, organizations down there and transition them into, uh, the, uh, the fixed wing side. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast. Some of you probably haven't heard this in a while, but one of the ways that I actually got most of my rotary, uh, time was because of those guys that were transitioning from military, uh, working for some of these, uh, Offshore, oh, well, I'm trying not to give away the name. Uh, these these rigs in in the uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, they would actually let me do part of their legs, and they would teach me how to fly rotorcraft, and I was uh, teaching them how to move in to the uh, to the fixed wing. I've been doing that for about 15 years, so yes, I know know quite a few people, and, I, and there are some challenges. Believe me, uh, going from what you're doing to fixed wing, uh, it is a totally different culture than you're used to. Uh, the only reason I know that, not because i 've experienced your culture, just because i 've experienced it through many, many eyes of people coming out of military aviation and I tell you what hats off to what you guys do, man. that is just just some crazy stuff and uh and also some amazing. Uh, uh, people that are involved in military and especially helicopters and, and, uh, army, av- uh, and Navy aviation, uh, in the helicopter business. Cause they are just some amazing and wonderful people. Uh, I, I feel, I feel so much better now that I know so much about it, even though I didn't get to experience it. So hats off. Uh, and thanks for your service, by the way. Um, Anyway, he continues. I was wondering if you would be able to offer any advice for transitioning from military in a few years. To outline my background, I have been flying for about eight years so far and have uh, earned a single engine land rotorcraft helicopter, rotorcraft, instrument, and commercial rating. I have 40 civilian uh, fixed-wing time, approximately 100 military fixed-wing time, and 1,400 hours of helicopter time between the H-60 and the Bell 206. I anticipate earning a helicopter ATH rating in the near future. I currently have two years left on active duty and with a goal of transitioning to the airlines and attempting to determine when I should pursue my multi-engine rating and fixed-wing ATPs. Any Any suggestions you could offer? Uh, would be uh, sincerely appreciated. So uh, from from what I understand here, from those hours that you're talking about, uh, you're either talking about going right into the airlines uh, or going to a CFI position, a flight instructor position. I would highly recommend that you try to get the CFI but focus on the airlines because you can get that restricted uh, ATP, uh, Airline Transport Pilot Certificate, and you probably will be able to forego the the flight instructor route, which it kind of sounds like is what you want to do. I'd have to find a little bit more about you, uh, but in general, uh, th- we've been seeing this quite often. Yes, a lot of uh, military helicopter guys are going right from, and gals, I should say, are going right from uh, right from the military, getting all their ratings, working part-time, getting the ratings, and then they're, they may be flying a couple months or so, and they're getting they're getting offers at the regionals. Uh, and that's the route, by the way, you're going to have to go uh, because your your fixed-wing time is very, very low, so you're going to have to build that up. and But it doesn't take very long at the regionals to build that up. I mean, you could be flying 800 hours a year, which in the military sounds like a whole bunch. But uh, once you're out there flying the line in the regionals, you, you could easily do 800 hours. I, Paul, I, I, you'd agree with me on that. 800 oh, hours is yeah. not that hard to do, right?
2: No, no. I mean, um, I think I'm on pace right now for... A little over 800 hours. I'm I'm working hard, but um, I mean I, I could probably do more because I'm on reserve right now. So I mean, once I get off reserve, I could probably push that number up even a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could definitely do that. And uh, and I agree with what Carl says. I think uh, you know I, I've flown with a lot of helicopter guys uh, in my Medevac career, and uh, and now even at the airline, I've flown with guys that have made the transition. And uh, they do a great job. And uh, it is obviously very different, um, especially, you know, the mission profile of a helicopter, military helicopter pilot compared to the, uh, the airline. You're, it's just two different, two different types of flying. So, um, you know, the, getting the time at the, at the regional will definitely be uh, helpful. It, it's been helpful to my, my buddies at, at work who uh, uh, have are made that change and that transition already. And then uh, you'll build that time up real fast and move on um, to bigger and better.
1: Yeah, I tell you, it's amazing how many hours people are are building. And just to add to that, uh, what's really cool is I have friends that are timing out, uh, meaning that, quote, unquote, 1,000 hours in a year. It's a little bit different now. But uh, basically a 1,000 hours in one year they're getting. And by timing out, meaning they can't fly anymore. And a lot of contracts say that even though you can't fly, you still get paid to do your schedule uh some contracts uh with the airlines in other words your employment contract or your union contract will state that your your number of hours may drop but you're still getting paid and you're able to to uh, actually time out there so that's kind of cool uh so yeah yeah definitely uh you're on the right track you're moving forward uh as far as any advice as far as moving into your career get get everything you need as fi- as quickly as you can uh and I would do that when should you, the old when should you pursue it, pursue it yesterday is what I like to tell people. Uh, don't put it off much longer. And if you can, get the flight instructor certificate, and I'll tell you why. Uh, one of the things that we're, you know, it's happening now, it's happened in the past, is that when you're flying for a regional airline, you're going to find a lot of people that don't have a lot of experience. And if you've been a flight instructor, you may have been one in the military already. Uh, sounds like you have, but... Uh, it really does help because uh, you'll you'll have a lot more patience when things go awry, and you'll be able to to be able to help that individual. Because when you get to the majors, uh, I will state that most people that are flying at the majors don't really want to be a flight instructor. They may want to, you know, talk about the nuances of flying the airplane, but they don't want to be teaching the person next to them how to intercept an ILS. Uh, that's for darn sure. They they hope you come there, or they expect I should say you to come there with those type of skills. Because uh, when you get to the majors and the legacies, uh, you you know everybody there is good, and uh, they're not at that level, the same level as, as like at the regional side. So, uh, not saying the regional pilots aren't good; they just don't have as much experience. Um, anyway, um, moving forward. Oh my gosh, that was it. That was our last question, Paul. Can you believe we actually made it through in an hour? uh no. yeah this is, uh first. this is a first uh, and this is awesome by the way, if you still have questions, go to feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. dot com would love to hear from you uh there's some some really good stuff out there. I love your stories uh don't feel bad if your story's a little bit long because the people I will say this again, the people that listen to this half of them want to hear your stories and are encouraged by what you do and uh paul by the way we're encouraged by what you what's happening where you are great announcement i appreciate your coming on tonight i know you've had some challenges in life lately uh and uh and hopefully uh uh, we'll see you coming back on a little bit more uh in the near future
2: paul absolutely yeah just been busy uh busy working real hard and uh yeah a couple a couple little minor setbacks but uh life is good and i I can't wait to get back here and uh, talk more flying Cool.
1: Cool. Awesome. I look forward to it, Paul. And again, if you're looking for advice on a more uh, direct basis, we do offer coaching. Uh, and that's in our coaching services, aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you're looking to sponsor an episode, I know we talk about our sponsors every so often. Uh, it's actually just go to sponsorship, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash sponsorship, if you want to get the message out about your product or service. Uh, I Gosh, I really appreciate you listening the, to us this evening. I'm glad we were able to get through your questions. Uh, but one thing I want you to remember is do something today, do something now, and take that one small step forward in your career, no matter what it is, is. Uh, because as some of these people have said, or some of these little steps do add up to a very large leap eventually. Sometimes it takes a little longer than expected, just like one of the listeners wrote in. But it'll happen. I, I guarantee it. You know what? I have faith in you. I know you can do it. We'll talk to you next episode. And